If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Heather Thompson, you know, with Roni Legacy Girls Trip on, you know, it really makes me nostalgic. And I have to say, I've said this before, and I will stand by this. If Heather Thompson did not return for season, the fateful season 13 of Roni, which is not her fault. I'm not blaming any of this on her. But if producers didn't do her dirty and this whole edit and the whole thing with season 13, I am convinced I will stand on the sword that she would have been on Girls Trip 13. I really do. I think that she would have been there over Kristen. Now, Kristen is having a great season, had a great season, is doing great. But I think Heather would have been there. I think she is a classic Roni. I, and it makes me want to share this chat. This chat originally aired January 13th of 2021, before season 13, before she went back for that. This is just a trip down memory lane of Heather and the Berkshires and the highs and lows back in the day of how great she was. So does everyone else agree? Because I'm convinced that she would have been on Roni Girls Trip. I mean, look, let's just go down the list. I mean, Jill Zarin pulled out. Tinsley wants nothing to do with the franchise. I even think they would have went to Heather before Aviva. I think they went to Aviva before Kristen and Aviva's agoraphobic. But I think Heather would have been the one there. So what a different girls trip would that have been? Would you guys have liked this? Well, anyway, enough about me. I am sharing this chat that originally aired January 13th, 2020 with the one, the only Roni legacy icon, Miss Heather Thompson. Holla, mama. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined from mere blocks away by the one, the only Miss Heather Thompson. <laughs> Hi, so are, happy to be here. How are you today? I'm good today. It's a gloomy, rainy day, but you know, we got it. We, the grass needed it. <laughs> I kind of like the gloomy days though. Am I, yeah, am I? They're good at home days, and we've been spending a lot of them. Am I correct that you're mere blocks away, or are you in the Berkshires? I'm in the Berkshires right now. You I, are. I just left the city. <laughs> yes. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Your background is very. That could be New York City or the Berkshires. Here, look. Oh my God! I'm you looking see it outside. At, that looks gorgeous. <laughs> So much greenery. It's the colors are so pretty. Yeah, it's green and gold and rust and the colors are amazing. And how are Jonathan and the kids doing? 
for asking. They're doing good. The kids are in a um, hybrid model for school. So they're actually at school today, which is so exciting. Um, so they're in school two days a week. I moved them up here for the year. We just took a hiatus from our school in the city for the year because of Jax's immunosuppression. You know, we can't really mess around. So there's a very, very low incidence here in the Berkshires. And so it's really a safe environment for Jax and for everybody. So the greenery, the <laughs> there's nothing you know, the outdoors. So we're in between the city and, and the country. That's so nice. That's like the best of both worlds. Yeah. So before we get into your amazing- And John my, is great too, by the way. He's he in the is. other room. Oh, well, you know, if he wants to come yeah, in and say right hi. He, we love he, that. John, come say hi. <laughs> I yell to him. We'll see if he comes. I love it. Well, before we get into your amazing In My Heart podcast, let's just catch up. Let's just go back to the beginning. And, you know, listen, it's been a long time since we've seen you on our TV sets, like talking about Yummy Tummy. And I mean, how did you get involved with The Real Housewives of New York? I sold that. I know. There's no more Yummy Tummy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I sold no more. Not, not with me, anyway. Um, there is, so how I got involved with the show was I got a, I got a call from a casting agent. It was like simple as that. I was at my desk and at first I was confused. I thought it was a different show. I didn't really even, I, I honestly hadn't watched a lot of, uh, housewives. Um, I was, I wasn't really a big watcher of the show. I had watched a little bit being home pregnant with Ella was the first season Beverly Hills launched. So I kind of got sucked in a little bit to the, you know, across the, across the, 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 the world, the country, um, the Beverly Hills thing. And then it made me kind of look into New York a little bit. Like I would watch some old episodes or whatever. Um, but I really wasn't that, I wasn't really that well versed on the show when I came, when I came onto the show, which I think was a really good thing. You know, I think a lot of people now are like, they, you know, they're fans and then they become um, housewives and they know like every single innuendo that happened on the show I really didn't have any preconceived notions about anybody I went in totally yellow and ready to take on a new experience and meet new people you didn't know like Luann or any Ramona none of them wow never had met them I had met Sonia one time I met Sonia one time and I met Carol one time before we started filming that friendship truly blossomed on the show Wow. Did you, you know, like, did you want to be a part of it? Like, you know, I think there's this misperception maybe like, you know, like do people on the Upper East Side just sit around saying like my goal in life, you know, if you're like a well-to-do woman is to be on the Real Housewives of New York. I think so. I think some of them do, you know, I mean, maybe more in, in I would say in Beverly Hills because I think like the true New York, socialites, you know, the people that have Park Avenue apartments, they want, they, they don't like all of the limelight, you know, that's very Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like, they like, they like to be on camera. That's why they live in Hollywood, you know? So I feel like maybe a little less in New York, but that's all speculation. Do, do you have like reservations like with doing the show or were you like, you know, at the time, Yummy Tommy, like this could be good for my business or you had reservations? Oh, no, I, I, well, the reason I did the show was as a marketer, I was like, I, how can I not, you know, take this opportunity? Um, but, and also for myself as a human, it was something really out of my comfort zone. Then once I got asked to be on the show, then I started watching the show. Then I wanted to see what it was really all about because I had only really seen uh, Beverly Hills. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff on that one. So um, 
I kind of watched and wanted to see what it was all about. And I, I did that the proverbial checklist, you know, the pros and the cons. And the cons were like really long, you know, it was a long list of cons and the pros was a short list, but they, they, bear, they, they, they were heavy. They, they had a lot of weight to them, the pros. They were good pros. They were so good. And the cons were all like, yeah, that could suck if that happened, but it wouldn't kill me. You know what I mean? That could suck if that happened, but I would still be, have my family, you know? So I, I decided to, you know, take the, take the shot at it. And I'm glad I did. Did you go back, like when you say you watched it, did you go back like to season one? Like you went hardcore or you just did like- No, no. I watched the previous season, that was it. <laughs> I, but funny enough, I was never bi- a big television person. I don't, I don't watch a lot of television. And that has changed completely over the pandemic. And I'm actually excited because Carol, funny enough, used to yell at me all the time that, that I didn't see all these shows. She's like, you're missing all these amazing shows. There's so much great television. This is when we used to first be able to record and, you know, get, you know, now, now Netflix and Hulu are like my babies. I've watched such amazing television. Like I watched old stuff. Like I watched the whole season of Breaking Bad, which was incredible. I watched How to Commit Murder. I felt, I love Viola, but I fell in love with her even more. I watched Reese's Big Little Lies and Little Fires Everywhere. I mean, I like binge watched so much great television. And so now that's what I watch. I watch things that I can record and that sort of thing. <laughs> so Are no, you- to answer your question, I didn't watch all the seasons. I've never watched all the seasons of, of New York or any of the franchises. I only watch, um, I only watched a couple uh, episodes from a couple seasons before I went on. Um, and never the whole season. And then I only have watched since when I'm on it. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you, like I didn't watch last season of New York at all. I don't even, I didn't know anything. You just watched the episodes that you were on in the Berkshires. That I was on. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, like what an episode, poor Luann outside crying. It's always a, it's always a mystery. I know. Well, I got there after that happened. Like, I mean, for me, it's always fun to watch them when you're on them and you film them because you don't know what you're going to get either. You know what I mean? When they film you for that long, you know, and and there's craft and editing and all that kind of stuff. You just have to be ready to have fun and be able to get beat up every now and then. And, you know, as long as it's all in the up and up, I don't like the dirty games. Like I don't like that kind of stuff. I'm not into playing that kind of stuff, which is probably some of the, my, my biggest outrageous moments on the show like don't tell me nothing (laughs) seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s with new chapters added every week the excitement never ends Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. We just had New Year's and so many of you made many resolutions of what you want to change in 2024. But one thing that I'm not changing thanks to one skin is my skin's biological age. What is your skin's biological age? It's basically how old your skin acts and looks and that's different than the actual age. Do you know that one skin products are powered by a scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets the lines and wrinkles right where they start your cells? The OS1 peptide is the first of its kind to actually turn back the clock 
stop instead of just masking the signs of aging. I use OneSkin primarily around my face and my eyes because it reduces the lines and wrinkles. But OneSkin has products for everything. The body, they have sun products. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code VELVET at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code VELVET. After your purchase, we'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you New Year Healthier Skin. That's OneSkin. Doesn't being a king or a queen seem so enticing? It sure does to me. But you know what? More often than not, it comes at the expense of everything else. Freedom, privacy, sometimes even your head. The creators of Wondery's Even the Rich are bringing you a brand new podcast called Even the Royals, where hosts Brooke and Arisha pull back the curtain on royal families, past and present from all over the world to show you, well, the darker side of what it means to be royalty. They cover it all. Like, for example, Marie Antoinette. Do you realize that so much we know about her is wrong? After she became queen at just 19 years old, she ended up in a battle with the French press that started a series of impossible-to-believe events. It's history's greatest smear campaign. Worse than any of the housewives that we talk about here. And what about King George IV and Caroline of Brunswick? That's literally the worst royal marriage of all time. There's a story that involves catfishing, fake pregnancies. Follow Even the Royals on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge Even the Royals ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Yes. When you were on it, like that first season five and started filming, you know, like having not watched it, watched a little bit, like were you... Oh my yeah. God, what the hell did I get myself into? Or were you like, were you like, these women are fucking crazy? Or were you like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be? I think I was so, I think I was so yellow bellied, like in shock, like my first season that I didn't really realize what was happening. I think by the time I left, I was tired of the antics and I was tired of like, you know, the fake storylines or you know fights that didn't really you know silly things that like engagements that weren't real or whatever I was like come on and I and I wasn't I was listen I was selling my business at the time I was not getting along with my partner at the time you know I was just like I had a lot of really important things to focus on and you know who didn't get invited to whose party or made up drama wasn't really what I was interested in but always interested in the show and the idea and the platform and so that's what kept me coming back. What were like the fake storylines that you just had no interest in? Well, I don't know. If, I mean, maybe fake is not the right word. It's like, um, you know, Harry Dubin's engagement to Sona, you know what I mean? They were never getting married. It was Ramona's ring that like Mario's mother had given him. You know, like, I don't know if the fans got that or not, but I remember getting mad at the producer that night because it was Carol's birthday party. And we were spending all this time on this, you know, thing that I thought was kind of just a joke. I was like, why aren't we watching really what's happening when you turn 50? And you know what I mean? There's a lot of emotion and uh, truth be told, Jacques and Luann really did break up. And we had had that, you know, issue, you know what I mean? And so I thought that there could be really good stuff that was really going on. That's one, that's one thing that really sta- you know, stands in my mind. Yeah, and like, let's face it, Sonia and Harry Dubin were not getting married, ever. Never. And although they truly were in a relationship, and they definitely had a very long relationship, I mean, that wasn't the reality of the moment. That makes sense. 
I mean, maybe if he really asked her, she would have really been excited. I don't know. But I just don't know. I know that that was not his intent, you know. I would agree with that. <laughs> you know, but like, and also looking back, do you have kind of like a respect for, and like, when, you're, when you came in, it was really the first season that the whole thing shook up. Like that was really yeah. the, you know, just for like any city, like after that, now it's like, you got one season and you better prove yourself or you're gone. Like your season totally. was really kind of groundbreaking. It was. I totally agree. It was. And I think all of us did a great job, Carol, Aviva, myself, you know what I mean? I think we came in with all the right intentions. I mean, Aviva and I have talked about this before, you know, having a, a chance to do it over again. I mean, I think she was an incredible housewife. I mean, I really do. I think Aviva was great. I think, unfortunately, she maybe let the show or the idea of being great get the best of her. Um, but I wouldn't throw that baby out with the bathwater. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, and I think Aviva's great. I love Aviva and I still talk to her and, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, we were really, we were, it was part of the big shake. I think the, I call them the OGs. You know, I think the OGs were nervous about, you know, their, you know, longevity at that point. It had been a big upset. And, you know, so I think coming in, um, they were threatened by us. And so therefore, you know, they kind of like figured out who they were going to pick the fight with. Like, was it, you know, going to be the countess against the princess and the two business people against each other? And, you know, I, I, I wish those things didn't happen. I wish people really just tried to get to know one another and let, you know, the real drama that would exist, exist instead of trying to push it. I, I would agree with that. Who do you think had it harder the first, that first season, like you or Aviva or Carol? God, I'm trying to think the first season. I think it was, I think maybe Aviva put more pressure on herself than anybody else did. I would say, you know, on a personal level, she maybe did because she felt really pressured to perform in a certain sort of way that I probably had the least amount, I would say, because I didn't have, like, Carol was a TV producer. She had produced television shows before, so maybe she was thinking of it in a different cerebral context than I was. Um, I probably was, like, the most naive the first season. Like, oh! <laughs> You're like, these are going to be all my new little friends. <laughs> we'll get dressed up and we'll go. To... Yeah. And I can until have. The, until the season aired. Were, well, to that point, yeah. were you shocked when the season aired? Were you like, oh my God, like, you know, you were there, but you were like, oh, I mean, not that it's a false edit, but were you like, holy shit, like, I don't remember all this. No. Yeah, I think it's like, well, the talking heads can be really painful because, you know, there it's like a season happens and then you get this perspective of it that, you know, I'll give the example, I give it all the time of my dad died when I first started filming. I mean, my, my father died and I was talking to uh, Louie about it at a party and, you know, we had a nice conversation about it. And then the talking head was Ugh, really cocktail conversation, darling. And when that aired and I heard her say that after I was, you know, that hurt me, that hurt my feelings. That hurt my heart. It was, cold you know what I mean and it was callous and uncaring and I ma it made me think a little bit like I, I you know part of me was like all right it's for the show you know she's trying to be funny for the show you can't you but they can't make you something and so she chose to say that and when I look back at it even now I let it go too far you know now that I look back at it like that was 
Like that was a choice that that she made. Right. To say that. And did I care in the end? Did it hurt me? No, it was fine. But it wasn't very nice. No, it wasn't nice. And that's probably when you're like, oh, like these girls are pros. Like this that's is their when fifth I knew, year. Yes, the show I was on. And nothing mattered except for the show. Right. Do you, do you think, because I for talk them. about this all the time, like, do you think that's what happens? Like, you know, like to cr- career housewives, like not even New York, but just like when you're on it for seven, 10 years, like, do you think they, they know what they're doing and they're smart and you almost become like a caricature of yourself? They have to, it's their job, right? You know, it's their job. It's, this is their job and, and it becomes your reality and it becomes your job. So they want to protect their job. So I think so, you know, unless they really are just doing it for like a joy ride. But I think that, you know, even the very wealthy that do the show are still doing it for, I mean, there's still a check in it. They still have bills to pay. The richer you are, the bigger your bills, baby. <laughs> and season six, seven, nine, that check is not bad. No, not bad at all. Okay, so let's play a game. During, during your time there, I want to do a face-off of which of these is more iconic. I'm going to give you two things. Okay. Okay, so we're going to start with, these are some things that happened during your time there. We're going to start with Ramona throwing wine at Kristen and cutting her in the lip. Is that more iconic or Ramona screaming to take a Xanax to Aviva? Well, I, I will say that I think more iconic for the actual franchise is uh, take a Xanax. But I think a big change that happened in the franchise is you can't assault somebody. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen that happen to other cities since. And I'm that's not like sure. a non-starter for me. You know, you don't sign kind up on of. a show to be assaulted. I think that that's really lowbrow, below the belt, bad, bad, bad business. Kind of, I, I, I would agree. All right, so take a Xanax. So that's going to move on to the next round. So now what's more iconic? Take a Xanax or Luann and her pirate, her Johnny Depp, Tomas? Um, ooh, that one's tough. I think that take a Xanax still wins because everybody knows it. You can still use it. There was no like lying or anything like that behind it. It was very clean. So take his annex is still my my hero. <laughs> okay, okay. What about that or Aviva throwing that leg at Le Cirque? Well, that takes the cake. <laughs> the leg toss for sure. And by the way, I did not consider that assault. Even though she threw the leg at me, I did not consider that assault. That was pure emotion. <laughs> she wasn't trying to hit me with it. She was trying to say, there, take it. I'll, you know, crawl out of here. And well, I listen. Never let her do that, by the way. This is why Aviva. I I agree. I I think Aviva needs to some more time on the air because, like, you throw a leg and that's it, and that's the last we see of you. I, I think there's more there that that we need to uncover. Me too. Bring back Aviva. Bring back Aviva. <laughs> we need Aviva. Well, now, okay. What about the leg? Or I mean, be cool. Don't be all uncool. Which really was directed towards you. Yes, it really was. And it was all bullshit. It didn't, it never happened. I wasn't trying to entrap anybody. It was obvious. It was clear and obvious that it was Ramona who, you know, sent the guy up the stairs and she apologized to me for it and thought that it was in poor judgment, but you know, it was fine. And then, you know, who goes off and makes some big, you know, stuff about it. So I'm not going to let her have that one. And I'm going to go with the leg. 
The leg wins. Okay. All right. I mean, I think that's, you know, but I don't know if you know this, Luann Sells, Luann Sells, be cool, don't be all uncool. They're now available at the Countess and Friends Cabaret. So I think you need to get a cut of that, just FYI. Well, I don't get a cut of it. It's so funny because it's there's a lot of double standards that go on on that show. Trust me. You know what I mean? I For me, I like to have a sense of humor in it. I don't take it too seriously. Like, you know, what, what happens on the show happens on the show and it's a business and you have to know your audience and you know what I mean? If it's working and I don't like the double standards that go along with that. I don't think that that's very cool. Do you think, no, it's not cool. Do you think like, you know, there's so much, like you said, it's a business. It is a business. You show up, you get your check. You've got to yeah. figure out what to do. Like for yeah. me, I'm not on the show, but for me, and I say this all the time, if I were on the show, I wouldn't care what you said about me. Just give me my check. I'm not going to, but some people take it. So like what goes on on social media outside of the show, like social media has now changed this whole, like, do you think just, why can't these people just let go? Like say what you want about me. I'll say what I want about you. I collect my check. You collect your check. We're both rich. Thank you. Bravo. People get so, I mean, I guess why, why do people take well, I think that's a very liberal. I, I and I'm, I'm t- I tend to be a liberal person, but I, I but you know, not on everything. I think that. Um, hold on, oops. I know. I saw. There you are. I got. Um, I tend to. This is what I think about that. I think that uh, spreading lies and slander about public forum when you know it's not true, just for fa- fascination or wow factor on a platform to get you noticed is horrible business. That is not good business. So I would disagree with you. I think that if you felt, if that happened to you, so example, what happens is you can say anything about anybody on a show like that. So let me say, I say to you, you smoke crack. You're always smoking crack. You're always high on crack. Oh, there you are again, high on crack. You're, you wind up defending yourself. Like I'm not, I don't smoke crack. I'm not high on crack. Do you know what I mean? Like you wind up defending yourself and then people believe it. People believe it. And then anything that you say or everywhere you go, they yell out crackhead, you know what I mean? Or they say to you, oh yeah, you know, of course you do that because you know, you, whatever you do. It, it, it's not, it's, it's a terrible character assassination and an attack on someone. And so I think that people that play by those rules are, play, are hitting below the bell. And I think it's dirty play. You guys know I've been so honest with you about my weight loss over the past few months. Look, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. There's so many diet plans that say, do this, don't do that. And none of them have ever worked for me. That is until Noom. Noom realizes that with weight, one size does not fit all. They take into account each person's individual needs. Noom builds personal plans that takes your specific dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs into account, and then they build a plan that works for you. Noom uses a psychology-based approach. They focus on the why. They believe that losing weight starts with your brain, so they focus on why haven't you been able to lose weight. They really change the way you think about food. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So I don't, I can see where you say, but you know, think about it. Maybe if you're a ninth year, 13th year housewife and you're in million dollar contracts, but 
if you're a first year housewife, you know what I mean? Like maybe by that time you're so calloused, you don't care, but I would always care. I have two children, you know what I mean? At home and, and, you know, social media is a part of anyone, everyone's life right now. And I would really like, it would bother me if someone was saying lies about me and collecting a check wouldn't be enough to make it feel better. That makes sense. And it's easy for me to say that because no one's really saying these yeah, things about so, me. Right. So if someone dragged you on your social media pages and called you things that you weren't, you know, what if someone started calling you a white supremacist right now in this day and age? How would you feel about that? Right. I don't think that that's cool. And I think that's low play, dirty play. And I don't think the fans should stand for it. And I definitely don't think the producers should stand for it. I think that shit should be cut, deaded, and edited. Unless you have proof, unless you want to bring proof to the table, then I think that that's hearsay and I think it's unfair play. And there's enough drama to go around that you have to make shit up. Are you shocked at how, like, because I think it's like social media. I mean, it existed when you were on the show, but not like this. I mean, nothing like this. It plays out like this past season of New York, 50% of it was online between like Elise and Ramona and Leah. Like there was more going on online. Are you shocked at how it's just escalated out of control? Not really, because it's escalated out of control everywhere. But I would say that would even, you know, further those bumpers and the, and the enforcing of those bumpers to keep it real. It's a called a reality show. Yes, it's an edited reality show, and it has to be. And you have to be, we're, we're there to entertain. But should someone lose their life over it? No. Should someone be discredited because one other person wants to make themselves look better at the expense of someone else? I think those rules need to be enforced a little more. Um, I don't think that that's fair play. That makes sense. On any franchise. On any franchise. Did you ever, like, was there anything against you like that? Like, through your time there? I'm trying to think. Um, Well, Luann saying that I was trying to sneak in her room to catch her with a man, which is like the last fucking thing I want to see, by the way. That was like, the, it was so, just completely untrue. Um, and so, yeah, that, that uncool, does it, you know, being that I'm the target of it, it's basically saying that I'm a terrible friend and that I break girl code and I'm a rat. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm none of those things. I, I actually can hold a secret pretty well, uh, you know, very well. I'm a loyal, amazing friend. But see, now I'm already defending myself to you. I'm That's sorry. That's what happens. I'm so, sorry, Heather. Uh, yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> 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 that shit. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck it. I, I get it. I mean, who do you think is the biggest, like, offender of the social media thing? Like, out of the current cast? I don't cast? know. I really don't know because I don't follow it. Do you know what I mean? I don't do you, follow it. Do you watch any of the other franchises now? Like, do you still watch Beverly Hills now? Don't watch any Housewives shows at all. How was your... I even got screwed loud because... Yeah, go on. Well, only because um, I didn't, you know, like, I thought I had... I, I, I was on Watch What Happens Live, and um, I hadn't watched the season. And they asked me a question. I, I knew some stuff from social media, but I really went on my own accord. Like, one of the questions was one housewife was picking on the other, and did you think... think and knowing the one housewife, I'm like, she probably needs to back off. You know what I mean? But, you know, Sonia had a facelift and they asked me and I said, I like Sonia's old face, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen the new face yet. 
And by the way, I like both faces. I'm not saying, I wasn't saying anything bad about her facelift. I think Sonia is a beautiful woman and I, you know, I, I don't want people to get overtly plastic surgery out. That's just my own personal thing. You know what I mean? But I, she looks great. <laughs> so those things, you know what I mean? They're just for fun and people could take them too seriously. Why did you get hate from Sonia after that? No, Sonia never has ever, ever thrown hate on me at all, ever. And I haven't heard, I only tell, you know, the truth of my feelings of, yeah, I was so mad when she didn't let me in her house that day and it was raining cold and we were trying to go to, I was really mad at her for not letting me in the house. I thought that was horrible. But I, did, do I hate her over it? Of course not. Was your last season like noticeably different in filming? You know, like with when Bethany, yes, you're shaking your head. It was, yeah. How so? It was. It just, everything had changed. It just, you know, like from my first season to the third season, you know, the, the women's behavior, having Bethany back, you know what I mean? They were all like on one level, like I said, on the couch, they weren't, they weren't excited to have her back. But then the minute she showed up, they couldn't climb, climb up her ass fast enough or first, you know, they were like, move, like pushing each other out of the way to climb up. And I thought that, I thought that they should have the reality of, of what, where they left off. Like, you know, maybe they could have, you know, talked about the things that made each other mad about each other and, and overcome it. But instead they just like, you know, intimidation and fear. They, they, you know, that's where I, that's, so I didn't like that. I was like, that's why I was on the couch. I'm like, you guys were not happy she was returning. And we did a whole season where you pretended that you were happy that she was back. And sure, maybe after the third or fourth episode, they were. Maybe they were like, wow, we really needed it. Well, I'm glad she's back. She's not as bad as I remember, whatever it was. You know, and I just wish they had given, because Bethany certainly can handle it, given her the opportunity to really talk about, you know, it's like a soap opera, these shows. The fans remember what happened from the season one. And I feel like if you don't play that storyline forward, you do a disservice to everybody. And what was the intimidation and fear? Just the fear that, like, Bethany's the favorite? I don't know. I don't know. I, well, I'm not them. So I don't know. I just could see what happened. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I was just like, okay, whatever. Was it like what some people say, like walking on eggshells when Bethany's? I did not walk on eggshells with Bethany at all. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't at all. You know what I mean? I didn't see her like coming in with like a producer megaphone and like, you know, I didn't see that. You know, I saw her coming in as a strong player and she was, you know, true to her, herself and the things that were happening. I just wish the other women, you know, maybe were truer to what they really felt. I mean, listen, it all worked out in the end. I, you know, I don't even remember what happened or whatever. And certainly I didn't watch the seasons after I left to see where their friendships went. Maybe they did go back and do some of those things. I don't know. But I remember feeling that way. Like, why are we faking this? You know, even, you know, yeah, I did. And the other woman faking it, like just kind of kissing her ass. Yeah, pretending that they were excited that she was back. You know, maybe from a ratings perspective, they maybe were truly like, okay, cool, this will be good. But they, I feel like we should really tell the storyline. Like, where, where was our relationship the last time I saw you? And now how do we move forward? That I like. That to me is real. And that's what, that interests me. It doesn't interest me, you know, to come in and just pretend everything is, is fine. But, you know what I mean? Also to then to make fake drama that, does, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, you know, I wish we had a little bit more of that. And I think people probably do it because they too sucked into their own roles on the show. And what they think the 
hands water, what they think they're supposed to deliver instead of just, you know, being themselves. Maybe. I don't know. I have wasn't on long enough. You know, I did three seasons and I didn't, didn't change me. <laughs> That's like kind of the right, like a perfect amount, right? It was. It was. How was it with Dorinda that last season, the season seven? We had our differences, you know what I mean? We definitely had our differences on the show and, you know, we worked them out. We worked them out, you know, as friends do. And, you know, understanding, you know, her first season on the show and, you know, her desire to do well and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we, yeah. I, Dorinda's a good girl. She's got a big, she's got a big heart. Are you shocked that she's gone? You know, I'm happy for her that she's gone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I didn't watch the season, so I can't, I can't struggle, you know. I think a pause is good for anybody. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of work. I mean, the, the show is all consuming. You know what I mean? It's like, it, you know, it's, I don't even know how I did it. When I turn around and look back that, that I was running a multi-million dollar business, I had two small children at home and I was working full time as a housewife and I was going and doing television shopping, you know, appearances. I don't know how the hell I did it all. I mean, I look back and I was like, wow. When I was in it, I didn't realize how I was doing it, but it was, it's, it's an incredible amount of work. And Dorinda had just recently shared on my podcast, actually, that when she was filming the show, she stopped her social calendar. She started to literally stop her social calendar because she really, it's all consuming. And when things happen to you on the show, like she said, like someone would be like, oh, did you see that the you know, weather is going to change drastically tomorrow? She's like, do you know what I'm going through? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but it's on the show. And so it does become all consuming in that toxicity and that negative energy and having to defend yourself or, you know, be sure to get your line in. It's, it's a lot. So I think I'm happy that she gets a break. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like you're essentially being paid to have drama in your life. Like that's, which that's a hard job if you think about it. It is. It's your choice to take the check, right? You know, and I don't think it's your, cho your choice to, you know, how you play it out, you know what I mean? Like how, you know, you, you got to be who you want to, who you are. You, we, we always as human beings really have to stay true to ourselves and rear to ourselves. And I think that that's a hard thing to do. It takes, I mean, certainly when you're in your twenties, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you get comfortable in your own skin through life experience and, uh, you know, wisdom and failure and failing fast and making a mistake and learning from that mistake. Um, and so I think that, I think there's enough drama to go around in the real world that's enriching. True. And to your point about being in your twenties versus I agree, the older we get, the more we figure our shit out. I mean, I mm -hmm. would not want to be in my twenties for all the money in the world. Right. I mean, like, no, thank you. But I probably mean, some of the funnest times of your life, you know what I mean? So that's why we need it all collectively. We need it all. That's why life is so unbelievably amazing and beautiful when you really think about the journey. That's true. What about like this trend, speaking of 20s, I mean, we're not going that young, but this trend of, you know, like, so Bronwyn from the OC, you don't watch the OC, she's younger, like Leah's younger, now Ebony's younger, you know, like, there's this trend that we're hiring like younger housewives now and kind of trying to skew it. What do you think of all that? Well, I think just like any, any company or organization or corporation, you need to have diversity and you need to have dynamic people because that's what makes up the best, you know, table. 
And so, you know, to have 30 somethings on the show, you know, I, I would love to see 20 somethings, 30 somethings, 40 somethings and 50 somethings and 60 somethings because my best advice and my most enriching relationships are my mentors, my female mentors that have come before me that have taught me and enlightened me and been there to pick me up when I made the mistake and needed emotional support or give me the wisdom going into something like, how do I, how should I handle this? having those mentors and I would love to see more of that activity on the show. Not like, you know, brazen girls coming in that, you know, they think they're going to elevate the shit and know everything, you know what I mean? But you know, it's all a fight for who's going to be the, you know, sit in the first chair. And that's not, I feel like we're just so much more full of life experiences and that we can lend those uh, experiences to each other and our differences of opinion. I mean, if you talk to a 60 year old and a 20 year old about politics alone, that could just be a crazy, not, not even whether what partisanship, you know, just about the process. You know what I mean? There could be some pretty cool things they learn about. Hey, I can tell you when Nixon was president, when I was your age, what was going on and what's going on now. Like it's all about learning from each other and disagreeing with each other. And because times have changed. That to me is encouraging, exciting conversation, not about who's staying whose carpet. True. I mean, it would be great to see more of that type of thing, like these I real think conversations. I the fans want it. I think the fan, I listen, it's 2020 now. We're sitting on a goddamn powder keg. You know what I mean? Like, I know that people want to tune out. So you can't, you have to have a balance. You have to have a balance of the serious and the funny and the slapstick and the fighting. You know, if it's too much of one thing, it doesn't serve what the viewer really is feeding into. And I'm no, you know, Nelson ratings, you know, expert or anything, but I would think, you know, just knowing my children growing up and the shows that they watch or the influencers that they watch and the things that they watch and, and then my own peers, that's what we're looking for. That's what I think people need. I say this all the time. I mean, listen, other than Beverly Hills, I mean, there's, this is no shade, like the ratings for every Housewife franchise are down here in Corona, trapped in, like it just is what it is, except Beverly Hills. So to me, it's like, like, I think the world's like, I just, I don't know. I think people want like a different type. They still want the drama, but they want a different type of drama and reality, like more like a well-rounded view is what I think. Yeah, yeah. So you can, you know, I mean, be on, you have to, but everybody has to lean into that. You can't just have one player that comes in and then they're on an island alone and they're trying to be a good person having, you know, meaningful conversations and the other ones just spin around and fly off and go, oh, you're so boring all the time. Like, you know, it's, you, you have to, the movement has to happen and it can't happen overnight, but I think it's up to, you know, the networks and these things to, to start to, you know, listen to the, to the you know, what the fans want. I think so. When you were on the first time, who did you have a hard, who'd you have the hardest time like filming with? Like Bethany, Ramona? Ramona. Oh my gosh, Ramona. Our first season was so hard together. So hard. She did not like me. She was not having me. But I held in there. You held your own. And now, you know, I, I think she likes you now. Yes. She does. <laughs> do I don't think I'm her first choice for choice at a party, but who did who did she give a harder time to, you or Kristen Tateman? I don't know. You'd have to ask Kristen. I think. I. I mean, I. She gave me a pretty hard time. <laughs> you... But we came through it, and I was honest about it. I didn't invite her to London. 
You didn't. I didn't. And I, that was real for me, you know, and I think that was shocking for her because it was an all cast thing and I didn't know the rules, you know, like I didn't, I didn't know the rules and it was so shocking because it was so real to me from production. I, they like, let me go through with it. You know, I don't know if that would happen today if an all cast really couldn't be an all cast. I don't know. That's what I was going to say. Like, did you get pushback from producers of like, you have to invite Ramona? They asked me if I wanted to reconsider it. You know what I mean? And I said, no, I, you know, I really, it's a real decision. I mean, if, do I have to invite her? They asked the question, you know, do I have to invite her? And if I do have to invite her, then we're going to have to have a really important talk and sit down. And they were like, no, if you really, you know, think that it's not a good idea and you wouldn't normally really do it. I said, would you? <laughs> the way she, you know, and it wound up being a really, I'm glad that they let me be honest because it wound up being uh, an, an opportunity for uh, Ramona and I to evolve and to grow and, and see each other. We don't have to be the same. We don't even have to agree, but we have to allow people to be different and not be judgmental of their differences. You can just choose to hang out with them or not. And I realize that's tough on a reality show, but I do think you can play it out. And who had that conversation with Ramona that she wasn't going on? I don't know. I don't know. You have to ask her. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I'm not sure that that would be allowed today either. So, I mean, that's, you know, do you ever run into Bethany now? I imagine you don't keep in touch with her. No, I, I don't really. I mean, we did once, once in a while, if a business thing or like a mutual thing, like we'll text each other. But nothing's come up except for recently. I actually, I actually just thought about calling Bethany because of what's happening with her right now. And I want to support her because no one should be dragged like that and called out names because she has the podcast too. And she should, have, she should be allowed to have any guests she wants on her podcast. And you know what I mean? And to be like the, this horrible division in our country over you know, Democrats and Republicans and this one and that one and, you know, past administrations and future administrations. And I just feel like she's getting, you know, unnecessarily beaten up. And listen, she doesn't need my support. She can handle it. But literally just yesterday, I was like, I'm going to text Beth Bethany because I want to have a podcast about this subject matter. And I think she should have one. And maybe we should even do it together. So, I, so if she hears this, I was going to call you, Bethany. <laughs> and you think- I still will. Because she's getting dragged through the mud, what, because she had Hillary on? Yes. And like or not, or whatever, I mean, it's like, that's the whole point of a podcast. You know what I mean? It's like the conversation and everybody who like lives and breathes knows that Hillary is a, is a, co a controversial person. Do you know what I mean? Like- people don't like her, really don't like her. And people really, really like her. You know what I mean? And you can't, you can't say anything about, you got to look at her resume. You know what I mean? You got to look at who she has been in a public service. And I didn't listen to the podcast. I don't know, but I wish people would more have said, you needed to ask this question because this is a question instead of dragging Bethany, the way they are hit hard with the questions you want to answer, get her, have her back, ask her to have call-ins. Do you know what I mean? Like, but why beat up Bethany as a human being? Because she wants to have deep discussions. And by the way, I don't even know what Bethany's, you know, I could guess, but I don't know what her political stance is. But just because she's Hillary Clinton, it shouldn't necessarily mean that she needs to be, you know, polarized for that. So I, I just, I felt badly for her and I wanted her to know that 
if, you know, if there's anything I could do to help other than comment on her page and say, you know, this is unfair treatment, but I'm going to get lost in a million comments. I, I just wanted her to know that I thought it was terrible and I felt badly for her about it. Yeah. I mean, politics is just, this is, I agree with you. It's crazy. I mean, I, I had someone on, I had Claudia Jordan on. She used to be a real housewife of Atlanta. She told, she was on Celebrity Apprentice. She told these stories about Donald Trump. It was not political at all. Like nothing. And like, same thing. I got all these, like, I'm like, uh, there's no political statement here, people. I'm not making one. I had a real housewife on who happened to be on Celebrity Apprentice who said she was kissed twice. Which is another reality show. Right. It's like, this is all about reality TV. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm now in a political debate about whether you're one side or the other. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I could only imagine. I mean, that's so crazy. I mean, Donald Trump used to be at, yeah, I mean, he used to be at every single puffy party. I mean, he was always like lurching through the crowds at the puffy parties and look at puffy and, you know, and Donald Trump today. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, it's just, that's crazy. People are just looking to fight. Let's start to just practice a little kindness. Like, you know, chew on your words just for one second before you spit them out, people. We must do that as a society. What yeah. am I serving? What goal? And what's the end goal here? And if your end goal is, you know, some type of, re- you know, restitution or something for Benghazi, then go put your power and your, mo- and your time and your money there instead of like, you know, dragging on Bethany's page all day. <laughs> Or whatever it is. I'm not, I don't have an opinion on either of them, but like now people are afraid to have opinions even, you know what I mean? I, w- I do wish the news would, we're not, we can't, I think television news is gone. It's gone. It's, it's, you know, Walter Conkright's like spinning in his grave and, you know, uh, people who I love like Chris Cuomo, you know, like he's got, he can't help but be opinionated on his platform. He can't just report the news anymore. It's just too deep. So I feel like, you know, and he's been attacked, you know, I feel like just, it's, it's just shifting. It's shifting and shifting. And, and I don't know where it's going to come out in the tumble, but I can say that we all need to allow, have a little bit more uh, allowance of differences and difference of, of opinions and to listen to one another and flip perspectives and just pull back on the hate, you know, because even if you don't agree with someone, like we could have a conversation right now. We could really disagree on that conversation, but it doesn't make me like you any less. And I may even think about that conversation for days and weeks afterwards and come back and go, you know what? I thought about it more and I really understand where you're coming from. And I'm going to think about that differently now. It doesn't have to happen in the moment, but we got to open ourselves up. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I, my whole thing is like, if you and I differ on like some fundamental things. I don't see why we, we can't. Like, I don't really want to control the way you think. You could not, your beliefs could be totally different than mine. I yeah. still like you because here you are as a human being. Like, I like you as a person. I don't agree with your beliefs and you don't agree with mine. I don't see why we can't then just exist. Well, That's- and you can also understand where they come from, right? Because beliefs are inbred oftentimes it's like the way you're born as a baby and what people put in front of you and how people speak and what you see in your lifetime sometimes something's inbred ingrained like you know that you don't even know consciously is happening and it takes a little bit of undoing that learned behavior takes a little bit of undoing and i think if 
if what we have going on in the world around us right now isn't a pure example of that, of unlearning these stereotypes and unlearning these things that we have in, been ingrained in us to look at certain people certain ways or be fearful of certain things, that's what we need to open up. That's why we have to open up these conversations and understand what it would be like to be, you know, LGBTQ plus living in a, you know, like my, I just had a podcast with Emil Wilbekin, who's incredible, you know, in the middle of like Missouri, you know, like, or, or, you know, like, I don't know, in some very remote rural place where you can't be yourself, you know, it's like, really? So, and then what is, and then how did that person turn out because of that situation? And because of that, you know, so we just have to listen more and take a second to understand that we're all made up from different places. And together at that table of diversity, that is what makes such an incredibly powerful opportunity for us to all come together and explode something out of all different pockets. And that's what I'd love to do. And I, I'd love to just, you know, see more of in any platform. I agree with that. Are you shocked at, you know, I know you said that Bethany doesn't know it all. And <laughs> I mean, A, do you still believe that someone can't know it all? And are you shocked though? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the whole be strong, like Bethany's doing a lot. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't like a, let me cheer Bethany on, but like, she knows a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I, I couldn't do anything wrong. I, I think there's no, th there's no such thing as a know it all. There's no such thing. Nobody knows it all. You know what I mean? And even she, we made a joke of it, funny enough. You know, I kind of got her with that one. Um, I think that using your platform and using your power when you are a public figure to uh, pay it forward and do good things is a, a non-starter for me. I even say that to companies I consult with or anything like that. Like, if you don't have a charitable cause, at, then don't set at a place set at your table for that cause to give back, then don't even start a business. Don't even, you know, you've got, we all got here for some reason and we all have it a little bit better than the next guy. And how do we lean into those efforts? And, and I, I applaud any person who does that. Well said. What about, what are your thoughts on Leah and Ebony Williams? I don't have any thoughts on either of them. Honestly, I don't. I didn't watch the season. So, you know what I mean? I, I, I've got nothing to say. And you don't know them? No, I don't know either of them. And you haven't filmed with them? I told you when I was um, on Watch What Happens Live, there was a lot of um, buzz of me coming back. And... Um, you know, I said, I think it was on stories, I did a video, you know, that I'll be back, I'll be back, I'll be back, I'll be back. And I will. And I, and I hold true to that. I, I have made a cameo just about every season since I left the show. I've been off the show for six years, almost seven years. I haven't been wow. on the show, but I've made a cameo each and every time. And I like my relationship. And until that doesn't feel good anymore, you know what I mean? Then I'll continue to do it. Well, you know, there's a lot of chatter now because you have this lunch. I think, I don't know, was that Del Frisco's? I don't know where you were with Ramona and Luann. Ebony posted something about her at the cast and she had a picture of you. Do you know about all this? Really? No. She, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is that your, that doesn't, that, you know, that doesn't tell us whether you're back or not, Heather. Well, you know the answer to that question. You're going to have to tune in and wait. I mean, a lot of people are saying that you're going to hold an apple. 
That I can completely confirm that is not the case. Okay, well, we'll see you then on- I don't know that I'll ever hold an apple again. Does anyone hold apples anymore? Are they still, do they still at the beginning hold the apple? I don't even think they do. Not really, but at least you're confirming you're not going to hold an apple, but we're going to see you. We're going to see you on- Well, nobody holds an apple. Nobody holds an apple. Nobody holds an apple anymore. All right, Heather, we'll let you pass on that one. <laughs> but are you, are, you, are you close with, like, everyone on the cast now? Like, are you close with Luann, Sonia, even Ramona? I mean, you had lunch with her. I just went through all of that with you. I told you all, my relationship with all the, all the ladies. So, yes. What else? Now let's talk about this fabulous new podcast. How did you get into the podcast world? How does that come about? Well, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. I've had, um, you know, I really, really have wanted to do for a long time. And I worked on, you know, the, the concept of it for quite some time. And I have a couple show pitches that, you know, are out there right now. Um, on my adventure and that sort of thing. So it was just one of those things that was always there and um, I can't wait to do it. And like one of the, hang on, sorry, I'm getting phone calls. I forgot to turn off my notification. Um, So uh, yeah, so In My Heart is one of my new favorite things in the whole wide world. I love doing it. I love doing it. I love doing it so much. And I love all of the great feedback I've gotten, you know, we've got so many viewers already. We're, we're doing amazing with the podcast. So keep listening. I've got so many amazing guests. I want to share uh, stories that I get told to me with everybody or people that I find inspiring to help move us all forward in this crazy world that we're living in. So yeah, tune into In My Heart. It's on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you download your podcast. From one podcast host to the next, what do you like best about it? And like, what do you, like, what's the biggest challenge that you found so far? You know, challenge is always time. You know what I mean? Time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of work and time, but when, you know, it's only work if there's someplace else you'd rather be. So I'd love doing that. Um, So that's really it. I mean, I love talking to people. I like people. I like learning about people. I just went on a whole soap box about it finding out people's backgrounds, finding out what makes them ticks, finding about their struggles, finding about their successes, you know, uh, learning what they know, sharing of wisdom. I love all that. And there must be an, somewhat of a built-in audience, like from the housewives, like you have to say, like, you know, like you said, like it's given you a platform. 100%. It's one of the checks on the, on the left side, one of the pros. I have a platform I can do really good things with. What type of guests can we expect coming up? I've listened to the first few episodes. They were great. Oh my gosh. We all kinds of great guests, more of the same, you know, you'll have celebrity guests uh, that you're going to know and you'll, you don't, you'll find out things like no one even knew that Beyonce's last name was Tina's maiden and Beyonce was Tina's maiden name, like, which was so funny to me. I mean, I broke that news. I didn't even know I was going to do that because it was such common knowledge with all of us in the close circles that I didn't realize, I don't even think Tina realized that it wasn't really public knowledge. So you'll have celebrities and other, you know, just great, amazing people who are doing well in their fields or well in their lives or have had experiences that have, they've overcome. Well, like what an episode to launch with. Like that was just, speaking of which, do you. Do, you, do you miss hanging out with Diddy? 
puffy, whatever you know, you're calling. I do, I, I do, and I, yeah, yes, of course. I mean, he's on the West Coast. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one left in New York. Everybody moved to California on me. Um, but well, Jen's in Miami, but like, um, not in New York that much anymore. And you know, so I, um, yes, I miss, I miss a lot of my friends that are in LA, and I miss, but I do, I get to see a lot of them, and I love social media for that reason. You know, all of the bad boy family, when you, when bad boy is a family and I will always and forever be a part of that family and tough, you know, we were, you know, he was born one year, like before me, we're the same age, we've been peers and, you know, he'll always be my, that's why I call him my big brother. Cause he's like just a few months older than me. Um, his mother is so super important to me. So I get, I, I, I still get to partake, even though I don't get to see them anymore. It'd be fun. I can't wait to, ha to have a white party again someday. Tell me about it. Are you the type, you know, that like, do you ever get starstruck? Just, you know, like you live in New York, like Diddy, Beyonce, like, but do you, I mean, are there people you would get starstruck if you met them? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm trying to think, um, you know, I've been around, you know, I know that celebrities, they're, you know, the, the, their, their blood is red and, you know, they have the same insecurities and I've worked for so many and I've spent, you know, my childhood with like Robert Plan and backstage with Molly Crew and, you know, some time with the Bon Jovi guys, you know, when I was a teenager. So I've just been around them. And I think that, you know, now I just look at, I look at people not in star, like I don't get starstruck, but I, I'm so impressed. Like I, I think they're incredible people. You know what I mean? Like, I know if I were to meet, like, you know, like if I had met Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I would have been overwhelmed and overcome by meeting her. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the, 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 those are the types of people I'm trying to think right now who I'd be overwhelmed and overcome by meeting. Um, I don't know, maybe Kamala. You know, I think that I never met her and I always watched her and loved her. I think I might be overcome because it's emotional. You know what I mean? It's like emotional. I would just, I just would want to inject as much energy and power and good feelings that I could to keep her, you know, flying. <laughs> that makes sense. Are you still shocked? You know, it's all these late years later, like you said, you've been off the show for six years, you know, you're Heather Thompson, you have a podcast, you've done so many things in your life. Are you still shocked at like the fandom that like people, you know, still want to go back and talk about these things that happened six years ago? No, because I get it. I, it's like, I remember when I was watching, you know, like the guiding light in the days of our lives or whatever, you know, my soap offers. It was funny because I even run into just doing charity work with the DeBartolo family. Um, I have run into some soap opera stars that I used to watch on television. And I watch it to them like, I feel like we've met before. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, I'm like Joey from, you know, Dave. I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny. So no, I'm not surprised at all because it's this ongoing story that never really has an end. It's cyclical. And so you can always go back to the history in order to understand things that happen go forward. I think it'd even be more fun if they even went back more and more and more, you know what I mean? Because of like, oh, you know, this person's, you know, like husband or wife or, you know, grandmother or something or aunt or uncle died. And you're so supportive, but when someone else's was dying, you weren't so supportive. I feel like it's, you could do all that kind of stuff, like a soap opera. So no, I'm not surprised by it. And I'm grateful to it. I I'm so happy. The people that, you know, fell in love with me on the show or enjoyed what I stood for on the show have watched me, you know, after. 
housewives. And, and I love that. And I've gotten to meet so many people like you, you know what I mean? Like the first time I met you wasn't on a screen like this. I met you at like the parties and I know your face and I know you, I feel like. And so it's great to see you again and, and, and chat with you. It's always great to chat with you. Do you think housewives could go on forever? I mean, like, is this going to go on like 20 years from now? Forever? Forever? Ever? Forever? <laughs> um, I think that it has legs. I think it has really long legs, but just like everything, if it doesn't evolve, if it stays the same, then it becomes staid and boring and new things and new ideas will pass it by. And then that, that new thing will get more attention. Um, but yeah, with evolution, with evolution, I think it can go on for a really long time. I think so. So two things before we wrap up. One, is there anything we have not covered that you would like to discuss here today? I'd like to give people a chance at the end to bring up anything that I did not bring up. <laughs> to get the, the shameless plug at all. I just keep encouraging everybody to go vote, 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 vote. It's so important. It is our power. And it's not just presidential elections. Take this moment and hang on to it and keep it at your local level. It's really important. I, I, I realized when I was a child growing up in the 70s, you know, that I was told like politics wasn't, was like adult business. It wasn't something, oh, you don't have to worry about that. You're just a kid. And I, I think that that was kind of old information. It is our children's business politics. We should be teaching it um, from kindergarten through 12th grade you know, American history, the real history, not just the pretty one, and really starting to teach um, our children. So we, at a young level, to get involved in politics and understand politics and understand lobbying and big food and big pharma and big things like that, which I didn't even start to learn about until I was well into my 30s or 40s. So just get out there and vote. I don't care who you vote for. That is never my issue. I just want you to use your voice. So that's the only other thing I want to say. Get out there and vote. That's great advice. And before you tell everyone where they can find you online, could we have a holla and a mama for old time's sake? Oh, yeah. All right. So all you mamas can holla at me <laughs> at I am Heather T. Uh, I'm on, that's all my social media, Instagram, you know, uh, Twitter. Um, Heather A. Thompson is where you can find me on Facebook. Um, in my heart, Heather Thompson in my heart is my podcast. And you can always go to heatherthompson.com to find out just about anything you need or ask any question you want to uh, in the comments. So I can't call you a mama, but I would say thank you to all the mamas that are out there listening and all the papas too. And I really love to leave you with a holla. <laughs> Honey, you can call me mama anytime you want. <laughs> Only I you though. You, <laughs> I love you, Heather. Thank you so much. You've been a great guest. You're wonderful. Come back anytime and welcome to the podcast game. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. Love you much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear... Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. 
And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.